0: Than a
1: speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's
0: a plane. It's Superman. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Citizen Kane Minute, the show that examines the greatest film of all time five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining me is my pal and fellow Network All-Star, Max Romero. Hi, Max. Hey, Rob. You know, you broke me. You <laughs> broke me,
1: Rob. I have to retire from podcasting now because I am broken.
0: <laughs> well, okay. I feel so- I'm sorry to, sorry to hear that, but at least we're going yeah, to go out uh, with a bang, I guess. Or at least you're going to go out with a bang. Uh, yes, of course. Um, if you're listening to this on the day the, the show drops, uh, it is May 6th. And May sixth is the birthday of Orson Welles. He was born on May sixth, nineteen fifteen. So this would have been his one hundred and seventh birthday. And of course, you know the original mission statement uh, for this show, Citizen Kane minute, which was to examine Citizen Kane minute five minutes at a time. We we filled that. We've we've you know we we polished the movie off last year. And I always thought, well, for the most part, Citizen Kane minutes kind of retired. Maybe. If something else comes up that's sort of Citizen Kane related. I want to talk about it. I can do it for this show. Because, I, you know, it's a podcast. It doesn't have to end. You can just kind of do special episodes forever. But then I realized there was this very unique slice of Orson Welles trivia that hardly ever has been covered. I've never seen it mentioned uh, in any Orson Welles biography or anything related to the man himself, which is, of course, his appearance as a comic book character in superman number 62 which came out in 1949 now before we ever decided to talk about this were you familiar with this appearance at all i know you hadn't read the comic but did you even know orson welles even made an appearance in a dc comic
1: i had no idea i had no idea but it's and we'll get into it as as we talk about it but when i read the story for some reason i can i can hear orson welles (laughs) like all over so i have i have a question about that but you know it's I would not have, you told me about this comic, you know, before we, uh, you know, when you asked me to, to uh, if I wanted to talk about this, and I was like, yeah, sure, and I thought it was going to be like a cameo, but no, 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 <laughs> it's not that at all.
0: This is like an issue of DC Comics Presents, you know, like a full <laughs> 30 years before that book ever started. I mean, this is a full-fledged team-up between Superman and, and Orson Welles. Yeah, this, as I said, this is uh, Superman number 62. It was on sale November 2nd. 1949 and uh let, before we get to the story let's talk about the cover uh it's got this great shot of superman uh coming into the frame and it says superman featuring orson wells star of black magic yes that box office bonanza black magic <laughs> in an astounding adventure with the man of steel and then you've got orson standing there in a, uh, you know, like a black magic-y, you know, old time costume, and he says, watch out, Earth, the Martians are coming. Aha, the Martians. And then there's the subtitle story, The Man Who Startled America Does It Again, and we see a couple of Martians firing at Superman. So, I mean, again, before we get to the story, what do you think of this as, a, as just a, a cover image?
1: You know, th- this is... Um, it, it's a pretty good encapsulation of what Superman comics were like at this time, and also what I imagine Orson Welles was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The you know because it's like this almost like, I mean I know it's supposed to be the the Cagliostro uh, costume from from Black Magic, but he looks almost like the Scarlet Pimpernel, uh, <laughs> yes. and he's got a sword in one hand and the microphone in the <laughs> in the other, which to me is like the epitome of Orson Welles.
0: Yeah, kinda. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and i love these sad sack aliens i don't know <laughs> you know it's uh yeah it, it's a it, it's a thing man
0: it really is by the way uh this show of course normally doesn't come with a gallery post because if we were talking about the movie there's no need for one but uh we will have images from this comic book uh in on the website findwaterpodcast.com and the accompanying gallery post so you can see some of the pages of the story that we're talking about now of course This Superman comic was 52 pages back then. That was standard. And there's like four Superman stories in it. Uh, This Orson Welles is only in the first story. That's the only one we're going to be talking about. Again, just think about that. Like how many Superman stories you had to come up with when they were doing four per issue? Like that's just four premises you have to come up with every single month. So yeah, why not? Let's get Orson Welles the star in this. So yeah, the the cover copy uh, is tying this into Black Magic, one of Orson Welles's... More obscure films; he did not direct it, at least officially. He did star in it. The director is Gregory radoff who was a director and an actor. Uh, we'll talk about him in, in a little bit. He sort of supposedly makes an appearance in this comic, but the the image of uh, the director as shown in the story it makes no; he doesn't look anything like the actual uh, Gregory radoff Now, this comic, as I said, was on sale on November second, nineteen forty nine. So I thought, well, okay. They're tying it into Black Magic. When did Black Magic come out? I knew it came out that year. But Mm -hmm. what I was confused by is every... Like IMDb and the Wikipedia page for this movie said that this movie came out in broad release on August 19th, 1949, and then hit New York on November 8th, 1949, which makes no sense. You don't do the limited release after the broad release. I don't understand that at all. But that seems to be the dates that everybody has. So it's a curious movie to tie it into because it's it's like I mean I didn't think little kids were going to be interested in a story of Caligostro you know this is, this is not the kind of movie that kids <laughs> would have been into now of course you know you can tell by the cover copy they're tying this in very heavily to Orson Welles's uh, War of the Worlds broadcast which you and I actually covered mm-hmm. uh, on the film and water show a couple of years ago for Halloween and I mean they're, they're going to lean into that really heavily now there is no writing credit for the story, uh, I, I consulted several different comic book databases. Nobody has a writer's credit uh, for this thing. So I don't know who wrote it. We still, to this day, don't, don't know who wrote it. It is drawn by the uh, Always Dynamite team of Wayne Boring and Stan Kaye. Uh, what do you think of Wayne Boring as a Superman artist?
1: And, you know, he is one of those iconic Superman artists. Uh, you know, whether you like it or not, it's very much of its time for one, for one thing. Um, you know, that beefy, almost wrestler looking uh, oh, superman, he's huge he's barrel yeah.
0: chest superman, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's bending bars in a circus somewhere, but I I enjoy almost every depiction of superman in those eras, if, if that makes sense. And I like this superman for that era. I don't necessarily think that that's what I would have wanted superman to look like forever. But you know, there have been modern versions of Superman that I didn't care for either. So uh, you know, and and I think a lot of people kind of poo-poo Boring's version of Superman. But you know, you have to understand that this was early days for for the character. Sort of, you know, it was it was you know when this came out, this was about twenty years later, more than twenty years later. But that was the that was the vision people had of Superman. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. To me, it's, it's like watching, in a way, it's almost like watching Christopher, not Christopher Reeve, sorry. Um, uh, oh, jeez, what is his name? Which, uh, was, uh, the TV Superman? Yeah, Adventure Superman. George Reeves. George Reeves. Uh, it's like, it's like watching, uh, George Reeves. You know, no, he's not Christopher Reeve, And he's, you know, but that's fine because he was the Superman of that era. So I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. And I actually really, personally, I enjoy, this era of of Superman, because it's just so bonkers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's dad Superman. That's really kind of how he's done. He's like, you know, he's slightly, he's not written or drawn to be older, but he just has that kind of dad like kind of thing. (laughs) And yeah, he has that, you know, uh, wrestler build. I mean, nowadays, of course, our Superman have to be super cut uh, because that's the modern version of what we consider fit. But back then, you know, you wanted to look like Jack Lane. You wanted to look like, uh, you know, a, a, a circus strongman. And that's what the Superman looks like here. And yeah, it's a great cover with this nice bright yellow background. And as you said, Orson Welles looking very dynamic in, in his black magic outfit with his, with his microphone. And gives as you said, the two sad sack aliens kind of blasting, uh, ineffectually against the Superman's hand. So, and by the way, except our ways, I love Wayne Boring and I love Stan Kay. Stan Kay was a marvelous inker. He had such a beautiful, smooth line that virtually every comic I ever saw him ink, I liked. Because I just thought he had just such a lush look to it. And this story really does have that look. And, and again, it's a, we'll get into it. Like, you know, I wrote the synopsis for this story, right? This story is 12 pages. It took me like an hour to write the synopsis because <laughs> so much happens. These old Golden Age comics, man, they were giving kids the value for their dime because yeah. this thing has so much plot you cannot believe. So, all right, let's, let's get right to it. And I apologize for how long I'm going to talk, everybody, because I, I tried to condense it down as much <laughs> as I could, but a lot happens in these 12 pages. So, it opens with two men who are engaging in a sword fight on a high rooftop. One of them lobs a fatal thrust, sending his opponent falling to his death. We then hear the voice of someone yell, Cut! And we see that this isn't real at all. It's just a scene from a movie being shot. And not just any movie, it's Black Magic, starring none other than Orson Welles as the sinister magician Calagostro. The director tells Welles and the rest of the cast that they are done shooting for the day, but reminds them that uh, that that night there is a fancy dress ball where everyone is uh, to wear their costumes from the movie. Later, Welles and co-star Nancy Guild are driving when they see no less than a rocket ship along the side of the road. Welles goes in for a closer look, not realizing that just over the hill, a huge group of onlookers have assembled uh, for what is the first rocket ship launched to Mars. Wells goes into the rocket. Here's the announcement of the launch over the radio. He then tries to get out, but the rocket takes off with him in it. A mere two hours later, the rocket lands, and Orson Wells steps out onto the red planet Mars. As if that wasn't enough, Wells is met by two small blue-skinned beings, Martians. Oh, the irony. One of them tells Orson that they've been studying Earth for years and how much they admired Hitler. Uh-oh. They plan on conquering the universe, starting with Earth. Wells wants to warn Earth, so he pulls out his movie sword and threatens one of the Martians to show him how to broadcast through the home planet. Soon, Wells sends a message to Superman, warning him of the imminent invasion. The message is received on Earth, but everyone, including Perry White and Lois Lane, think it's another hoax, just like the one Wells pulled on Halloween night in 1939 with his War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Clark Kent changes into Superman and checks out Orson's story for himself. Using his telescopic vision, he sees it isn't a hoax and arrives on Mars just in time to help Orson fight off a small horde of Martians. The head Martian offers Superman to be his right-hand man in conquering the universe, a deal the Man of Steel heartily refuses. The Martian leader then launches a massive fleet of invading ships, with some of them being mere holograms. With so many to check, Superman won't be able to find the real ships in time. Orson Wills won't stand for this, so he uses some sleight-of-hand magic to create a puff of smoke, giving him a moment of surprise to deck the Martian leader. He then turns off uh, the machine, creating the illusions, and then uses more of his patented magic to subdue some of the other Martians. Superman stops the invasion and returns to Mars. He and Orson truss up the Martian leader, making him deliver a televised speech, saying he is retiring and all the invading Martian hordes can go return home to their families. Superman puts the Martian leader in a rocket and dumps him on an abandoned planet. No one there to boss around, but enough food and support to live there for the rest of his life. For his part, Orson reminds the would-be conqueror that he's getting off lucky, Unlike all the Nazi leaders who were hung at the end of World War II, Superman brings the Earth rocket home, and soon after Orson Welles is at the costume ball where people want to know what it was his broadcast just another stunt. Orson's only suggestion: ask Superman. For his part, Clark Kent submits the story to Perry White, who rejects it as pure science fiction. Whoo! All right, Max. <laughs> I, I mean, I. Uh, okay. First of all, you got to wonder Bartler. why.
1: Martler, Rob.
0: <laughs> Martler, yes. Martler. <laughs> Why? Why is. Wh- like, okay. I mean, the one Hollywood connection DC had was Whitney Ellsworth, the longtime DC editor. He, uh once he realized uh, that there was, you know, interest in uh, Hollywood, had interest in maybe some of the characters DC was publishing, he established himself as the Hollywood connection, which is actually very smart because that means, you know, you get to get the hell out of cold New York and go to California a lot. That's that's really smart of him. But he sort of became the self-appointed liaison between his company and Hollywood. And so I have to think this was something of his doing that they thought, well, let's connect him up to Orson Welles. Now, why it would be tied to Black Magic, again, a movie that really I don't think did a lot of business and would not have a lot of kid appeal, uh, is sort of baffling to me. But Orson Welles was still, of course, incredibly famous. So maybe that you know, maybe they figured, you know, why? Let's try it. I mean, he's a famous guy. Let's let's give it a shot. Uh, but I mean, what did you think of it as a as a comic book story?
1: It's very Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very Superman of that time. It was just like I said. It, it was you know you mentioned before that there is no writing credit for this, and I cannot imagine. Orson Welles letting his uh image being used without having some sort of input into it and it sounds like Orson Welles you know i mean the the dialogue and that sort of thing and i i kind of wonder if he didn't write it if he at least had some sort of input into it and it if it was him i mean and i don't know for sure i'm just maybe i'm just you know i'm just uh you know wishing on a star here but the <laughs> if it if it was him how fun that must have been for him, for him to to get together with the d c guys and write this nutso Superman story with him in the in the middle of it because he is definitely a major player in the story he's not on the sidelines he's i mean he is part of the action and it's he, it's, uh, it's 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 classic superman
0: i I would highly doubt that urson Welles wrote it but it, at the same time. Orson had enough of a kind of like, you know, as we've talked about across other episodes of other podcasts, and then all the episodes of Citizen came in, like, you know, he had a real kind of like uh, trickster personality, you know, I mm. mean, starting with the War of the World, I start before that, but I mean, in terms of his worldwide fame, starting with, with War of the Worlds, so I could imagine him, at the very least, approving this like his PR guy oh, no. ran it by mm-hmm. him. And he was like, Oh yeah. All right. This is fun because <laughs> it does features. First of all, as you say, it's, it's a full on team up. It is right. not Orson. Wells shows up for the first page and the last page. And Superman's all the middle Orson. Wells is throughout this story and he gets a lot to do. He gets to beat up some Martians, which is really exciting. And of course there's all the mentions of like his, his penchant for magic, right. which feels like, okay, you know, that's a big thing for Orson. Like he, you know, he, he pulls again, he, he pulls a puff of smoke out of his sleeve and stuff like that and all the stuff yeah the rabbit out of his and and you know and again all the stuff with the war of the worlds and it's i -hmm. I thought it was very instructive that what is the one thing like the name of this show is citizen kane minute the one thing that is orson wells that as we know him the thing he's most famous for is not mentioned in this story which is citizen kane it's never mentioned one time because of course citizen kane kind of came and went as a movie it got won an oscar and it got nominated for best picture but it was not a particularly big hit and then it just was forgotten about because it was mostly buried by by hearst and the Mm -hmm. rko buried it and it wasn't until the early 50s kind of not too long after this comic got published that it got started you know a new generation of critics came around and discovered it and then it became this famous thing but it's so funny that in 1949 the thing that he is kind of still famous for is War of the Worlds, not Citizen Kane.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was—I'm not sure of the timeline, but is, was Black Magic? I think you had just said Black Magic was—it was already out by the time this came. It was. This yeah. It was. was right? It was out. Yes. So was this some sort of like early version of cross promotion?
0: I, like I said, I don't. I I just can't imagine why what like you just like it's like a chicken and egg you're like okay did they want orson well did they want to do a team up with orson welles and they were like well what's he in next mm-hmm. uh, you know what i mean like it's, it was
1: either that or the third man which came out the same year
0: right That oh my god can you imagine that you know <laughs> S- superman and joseph cotton and orson welles team up. uh talking about the world's finest uh <laughs> trio that, that would have been amazing but yeah i mean i guess part of it maybe because because it's black magic and that he is—he does have that costume, as you say, like Justice mm-hmm. Caligostro. Like, it's at least—it it doesn't look like a superhero costume, but it's a costume as opposed to him right. just wearing normal clothes right. or whatever. Um, and it does feature, you know, again the, the opening sequence, and then so I love that the, the the director shows up again. This guy is supposed to be, you know, just the film director in real life. It's Gregory Radoff, who directed movies like Intermezzo. Uh, Footlight Serenade. He directed. <laughs> he directed a movie called Operation X, which is also known as My Daughter Joy, which kind of seems like oh, well. two completely different titles for the same movie. <laughs> uh, and then he was an actor in movies like All About Eve, The Moon Is Blue, and Exodus. He had you know kind of a distinguished career. Um, the guy, the director here, is not remotely looked like Gregory Ratoff, and he's never called Gregory Ratoff, so that's not really supposed to be him. I do find it funny that the directors like. Hey, there's a ball tonight, and you all have to show up in your costumes. Right. What? Like, what? Like, what does that have to do with anything?
1: Right. Uh, well, and that's it. That sets up the the Orson Welles character for having all those gimmicks with him because he's right. going to do some magic at the party.
0: Right. Uh, and then he's driving with Nancy Guild, uh, which kind of is like, are they like a couple or something? Are they try, mm-hmm. you know, why are they driving? But okay, uh, Nancy Guild. By the way, I was. I'm only really ba- barely familiar with her from having appeared in Black Magic because i have seen this movie. Um, she, <laughs> Two of her other films are, she didn't have a whole, she didn't have a really big career after Black Magic or really before it either. Um, but two of her films subsequent to this were <laughs> Ab and Costello meet the Invisible Man and Francis covers the big town. So <laughs> in the space of a couple of years, she worked with Orson Welles avon costello and francis the talking mule i mean i was
1: gonna ask are you talking about the mule
0: <laughs> yeah that's a hell of a career i mean that's 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 a lot of stories to tell for miss gill wow. I, mean, I gotta say you know like you know imagine sitting there talking to pretending to talk to a horse you know like a couple of years ago i was working with orson wells like what what what? i gotta fire my agent like what the hell is this um so yeah get it's worth- kind of nice though that
1: nancy, that nancy gill got a you know, a couple of panels there. I thought yeah, that was I mean, neat.
0: it's like, that's got to be great for like her fan, Like talking about immortality. She's in a right. Superman comic. Like, you know, yeah. wow. Okay. So I love this idea that there's this rocket ship that's going to be sent off to Mars, which is kind <laughs> of a big deal. And nobody really knows it. Orson. And like, it's not guarded by anybody. Like oh. walks into it and they're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, he basically drives up on the opposite
1: side of where all these people are <laughs> and no one sees him, No one notices. And he just kind of walks in. Yep. And and and, uh, and it's what the 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 Rocket Society in the International Rocket Society or something like that. Sure, sure, I like, yeah. I was like, okay, sure,
0: why not? And it only takes him two hours to get to Mars, which is yeah, amazing. Quick. That's pretty quick. I mean, the G forces <laughs> on that rocket must have been pretty amazing. And then Orson Welles is just wandering around Mars, which you know, I guess it, there's I guess there's oxygen on Mars. I didn't <laughs> think there was. And then again, we meet these little Martians, uh, and they are dressed like you know little bundists uh, you know uh, they got the little yeah. hat and the whole thing uh and i mean they're all a bunch of weaklings they all have giant heads and they're all a bunch of weaklings and orson wells again mm. i love that he threatens the one he's like show me how the radio works or i'll run you with my sword and uh, right okay, okay 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 and then orson broadcasts you know back to back to earth and it gets picked first of all I love this radio broadcast that can make it all the way from Mars to earth. Like that is, mm-hmm. that's a one powerful signal <laughs> of radio broadcast.
1: with no delay. Not, not like the rovers we have today. Yeah. Those, you know, those, those cheap things that we put together, yep, yep, they, yep. they get the broadcast right away.
0: Yeah. And then I love that, uh, that Perry white is there smoking his cigar and Lois <laughs> is listening. And I mean, like, first of all, this thing is dialogue heavy, man. Like the balloons yeah, are yeah, yeah. huge. Uh, but I love that, uh, you know, Perry. it's another hoax. And then, uh, Lois saying, who does Orson think he is?
1: <laughs> Classic Lois.
0: It's just great, you know, like okay. All right, that's fine, you know. Uh and so you know, you know, I guess
1: in in any other story, that would have been Lois in the rocket ship instead of Orson Wells.
0: Oh, totally. Oh Please. yes, yes, completely. She would have been the stowaway or whatever. Um so then again, Superman, at least Superman uh is like, well, you know, at least let me check this out. And then we see right. some some And he, you know, he sees Mars, you know, geez, that's actually what's going on. And then we do get a shot of Earthlings listening to it. And the one guy's like, this is the funniest thing I've heard in years. Better than Bob Hope, who, of course, was a fellow (laughs) DC comic book star. Uh, He Mm -hmm. had his own comic for for many years. Uh, I love the panel of Orson Welles being surrounded by like seven aliens. And he's just whacking them with the
1: the sword. (laughs) Well, you know, that's an interesting little bit of propaganda. I mean, because this was just, you know, what, four years after after the end of the war, of World War II. And like you said, you know, the, the Mars Nazis basically are, are, the are, they're, they're small, they're ineffectual, they're kind of cowardly. And I I think that's just a really interesting peek into the American psyche at the time, you know, that that's what they wanted to, um, to, uh, uh, reinforce, you know, within the, the American mindset. You know that the that the Nazis were nothing to be afraid of. I guess.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, it is. It's they were a bunch of clowns. You know, mm-hmm. I again, mean, as you say, this is four years after uh, the Nazis have been defeated, and, and so yeah, we want to present them as a bunch of bumbling idiots, kind of thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's it's, I never really thought about that. I love when the Martian blasts Superman and he goes, "It tickles," which is like, <laughs> you know, and there was like a right. thousand Superman comics where he was saying that. And look at look at his chest. I mean that oh, is yeah. one big ass superman that's like John Goodman is <laughs> <laughs> big big superman. Yeah. Um, well and so, it's kind of
1: like you were like you were saying I mean in, in those days that was that was what was considered a big strong man. Yeah. You know if you look at the at the movies of that era, you know if you look at uh wrestlers or strong men or you know in, or boxers anything like that by today's standards they look kind of doughy, you know, and kind of mm-hmm. you know they're not necessarily that in that big that much in shape but they're big men yep you know they're with broad shoulders and you know they're usually bald heads and you know the, mm-hmm. the kind of five o'clock shadow that you light a match on and it's it's um you know it, it's it's interesting it's it's just uh you know yeah that that is like you said that was what was considered um uh a, a, a man at the, at his peak
0: yep yeah, uh, I love the whole angle of the Martian invasion is so massive that they use, I mean, there's like a fleet of ships, but then some <laughs> of them are illusions. And there's so many ships that Superman right. can't keep track of them all. I'm like, eh, that's pretty clever, you know? I mean, yeah. okay, that's a, it's a neat idea. Again, and Orson is busy on Mars. He pulls the smoke bomb at us. He does the abracadabra Alakazam and he manages to punch <laughs> out the, the head alien. And then he does, he, uh, he has this thing where he pretends to shoot flame out of his mouth uh with a chemical gadget in his mouth and so it looks like and they're like he throws flame yow! uh and then he pulls out the (laughs) rabbit and of course you know the martians don't know what the rabbits are again they've been studying earth so they know who hitler is they don't know what a rabbit is like well all right okay you
1: know i just wanted to hit the highlights
0: yeah i just yeah i guess they just saw all the newsreel footage or whatever uh i love all the, the, the 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 detail again that um Wayne Boring and Stan K. Stan K. like when after Orson kicks a bunch of the Martian ass, like a lot of the furniture is knocked over. Uh, I just mm-hmm. think it's a nice touch that like chairs are flopped over. Like yeah. it's it's not just like oh, there's just the the, the unconscious aliens. Like no, the, the room actually got destroyed a little bit, which I just thought was again like an extra level of detail that mm-hmm. Wayne Boring and Stan K. brought to it. Um, and can, then-
1: can we talk for a second about the fact that Superman threw a moon? <laughs> yeah. The, oh, that's true. I least. skipped over
0: that. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. I think that might affect the tides a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, why don't you why don't you describe to people what he exactly what that is?
1: Well, well I'll try. So, so this giant fleet of Martians of of Martian Martian Nazis are <laughs> headed toward Earth. Uh, Superman has not been able to do much about it because they're sort of illusions. I'm not sure quite what's going on, that they're illusions or they're just kind of like out of phase or what the deal is, but he can't, uh, he can't touch them. He can't affect them. So Orson Wells actually has the idea of of ripping up thousands of miles of iron runway, which, okay, and uses it, Superman uses it to wrap around one of Mars's moons, so he can whip it at the <laughs> at the fleet. Because of science. Yeah, because of science. And then the fleet gets caught in the moon's orbit and are basically stuck circling that moon now. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Sure. Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that, that's and what they, you would do.
0: <laughs> they're just stuck there forever, too. They're just going around in circles forever. So, okay, great. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. when, when when I was writing the synopsis, as I said, it got so long that I'm starting to leave parts out and I'm like, all right, he just conquers the Martian invasion. That's my... Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even getting into the details of uh, of the, the mission. of Again, this story is 12 pages, everybody. 12 <laughs> pages. Uh, so then Superman goes back to Mars and him and Orson decide, okay, we're going to do this broadcast. I just... I don't even know why it makes me laugh. I just love the panel of Superman with the headphones over his ears. It just <laughs> makes me laugh. I don't know why. It's just so funny. Like he's just like, he's dialing in or whatever, doing like he's Wolfman Jack or something, you know. Uh, with my X-ray vision, I've learned enough about machinery to make the telecast. Let's go. Okay, great, Superman. And then Orson makes the Martian uh, do this speech. And I love that he is sitting in the chair and he has the Martian. He's holding him up like he's a ventriloquist dummy. Which is great. It is. Uh, it's so humiliating, you know, to this Martian leader. Uh, and then I love the, the detail of, um, you know, the Martian ruler is telling them all, "All right, I'm calling off the invasion. You know, you, I'm going to retire. You two, you all rule yourselves." And you get the one Martian saying, "Great news! Now we can go home to our families. I never did <laughs> want to fight anyway."
1: <laughs> yeah. Conscious is
0: objector. Uh, the Mar- yeah, conscious <laughs> objector Martian. Great.
1: Yeah, he's pretty much like I didn't even want to do this anyway.
0: I didn't want to do this anyway. Um, so I imagine
1: that's probably what they sound like.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, so then Superman brings Orson Welles. By the way, brings Orson Welles just carrying him to another planet. <laughs> by the way, this is like Superman for a quest for peace, science, and they put him on this this planet, and the Martian invaders are like, "You can't leave me here. I have no one here to boss." And Mm -hmm. Superman's like, well, that's the point. But there's enough food to support her for the rest of your life. And then, as I mentioned in the synopsis, this my favorite word balloon in this whole story is Orson Welles saying to the Martian leader, you're lucky not to be hanged Mm -hmm. like the Nazi leaders you admired and imitated. This is a children's comic. And Orson (laughs) Welles is like, you're lucky we didn't hang you, you little purple shit. (laughs) This is like, let's remind children that we hung people. Like, so let's talk about the atrocities of World <laughs> oh, War Two. Oh man, jeez! I just... I and I love that he's saying you're lucky we didn't hang you. I just kids had to be tougher back then. You know, you just had to deal with the idea that yeah, we were hanging people a couple of years ago. Like okay, I just... Oh, wow. oh my god, I love you it think, so much. You think
1: kids at the time were arguing about whether or not they should have hanged? <laughs> <Markler>. Oh, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? You know, so your old man. That's how kids talk back then. I don't know. My, let's see. My dad would have been 16. He would have been too old by the time the story came out. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, yeah, kids probably would. I just, I don't know. I just love Orson just kind of like rubbing salt in the wound of, <laughs> you're lucky we didn't hang you, you dumb little. All right, fine. So the su- Superman brings the rocket back and they thank him. And they're like, Oh, you know, thank you so much. And again, it's like, geez, maybe I should have had a little better security with this thing. Uh, and then we are and, and by the way so then at the end orson comes back to the the party realizing we realized this all took place in one day this whole thing took place in one day because we're we're at the party that the director said orson had to go to that night so all of this took place in like a 12 hour period
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> just love it and again even Nancy Guild is like tell me orson was your broadcast another hoax a publicity stunt or the truth and i just asked superman uh i just I'm fantastic and then as i said clark kent pitches the story and clark kent and uh, perry white's like this is a newspaper not a science fiction magazine get down to 10th and western and cover that fire if you want to keep working here yeah the fire that's way more interesting than a march invasion perry sure <laughs>
1: I mean, Perry's no nonsense. You know, he's he's not a... He doesn't want pictures of Spider-Man. He, he wants the news. <laughs>
0: he wants the fire. Because, you know, who doesn't want to hear about a fire the day after it's happened, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just bonkers and fun and ridiculous. And you just do got to wonder, like, did Orson Welles ever see this? Like, when it was finished? Did he ever even really know about it? I mean, again, he must have... At the very least, his... PR person must have known about it and in some respect, but I and I, like I said, I've never seen it mentioned uh, in any book about I've read dozens of book on Orson, books of Orson, on Orson Welles. I've never heard it mentioned even one time. So I don't know if this was anything that was, you know. I mean, he was hugely famous back then. So I mean, this is just one of a million things he was involved in. Uh, and then I thought it was very interesting that um, if you look at the rest of the comic, uh, we're not going to talk about the other stories because they're not really related to this, but a couple of pages after the story, there's an ad from DC comics. It says two great Western stars in two great comics magazines. And it mentions the latest issues of Dale Evans and Jimmy Wakely. Now I'm only, I, Dale Evans of course was a, you know, the wife of Roy Rogers and Mm -hmm. an actress and a, you know, like a cowboy star. Jimmy Wakely was a musician who I'm only really barely familiar with, but it, It's funny to me that you look at that and you say, wow, like that's how deep a bench Hollywood had that like they were starring in their own comic books. These guys, these people, I mean, um, Bob Hope, as I mentioned, had his own series for decades. So did Jerry Lewis, uh, the Alan Ladd had his own comic book series all from DC. So like that was, that was a real thing of like taking stars that had some sort of, you know, uh, identity, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, identity with the, with the audience and turning them into comic book stars. It's really kind of amazing when you think about it. And so it, it's a shame that like Orson Wells didn't get more play in that because he had such a rich <laughs> background. I mean, think about, I mean, I, no offense, but like how many, like Dale Evans, how many stories can you get? Out of Dale Evans, right. I mean, especially her comic was fifty-two pages. Like, wow. how many Dale Evans stories are you writing? Or like Bob Hope? How did they mm-hmm. write twenty years of Bob Hope stories? What What was there to yeah. do? Orson Welles, you probably could have done a lot. So, of all these characters, that all these actors that could have become comic book stars, Orson Welles was kind of ripe for this, but this was his one and done.
1: Do you you would know this better than I do? But w- w- was that something? Do you think? I mean, I'm sure it was symbiotic, but do you think it was something that? stars of that time sought out i mean was it like a feather in their cap or was it just another way to i guess license their their likeness
0: that's a really great question i mean you got to remember comic books in the 40s were selling in the millions of copies so why not you know i mean mm-hmm. a lot of them had radio shows and television shows and things like that uh well not television shows it was just a little early for that but but you know they were some of them would be getting into it certainly with their own a radio show so yeah maybe it was it, you know maybe if some of these people had pretty uh in, in engaged PR people they looked mm-hmm. at it like hey you know like the kids will love the adventures of Dale Evans and Roy Rogers because they're cowboys kids love cowboys right and uh, that'll help get them into the movie theater which is where you know maybe it just looked like it's all this one big marketing piece uh but right. yeah I mean again you've and, it,
1: and it's hard to explain how how big Superman was at this time, yeah I mean it was he was huge, <laughs> you know? he had just
0: come off his own movie serial that was a year earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and that was his debut in live action and the show the t v show was only a couple of years away at this point uh but and he had the radio show, but yeah, I mean he was Superman was selling in the millions and millions of copies uh, again, I would have loved to have not, just the idea of tying it into black magic is just so funny to me. Although, but then you look at Orson Welles's output in the fifties, like none mm. of his movies had any kit. Like, you know what? Macbeth, you know, what are they going to do? Right. You know, I mean, what was there to do? Uh, but, but yeah, it's just kind of, it, it, it makes, when I think about that, there were so many celebrities that had their own comic book and that Orson Welles never got on. Boy, that really was a missed opportunity because you could have just done fun, fun stories like this, where he's dealing with Martians or whatever. Uh, right. getting into Hollywood adventures, but I mean, again, it's a ridiculous story, but it's beautifully told. <laughs> it mm-hmm. has such the Orson Wells flavor to it, with the magic and the Martians, uh, and his, his kind of bigger-than-life personality, and as you were saying, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm sure that on some level Orson's people were like, Orson doesn't just cameo right? With Superman. <laughs> yeah. He has to team up with Superman. Okay, okay, you know, he's gonna kick some Martian ass, and that's what we're going to do. And he gets the yeah. cover slot too. So it's, it's yeah. what, what a fun, what a fun comic book this was. Well,
1: you know, and that's the thing, well, you know, it's, it is just a fun story. It, it's, it's just, you know, it's ridiculous in the way that a lot of comics were at that time, but it's also, I I had fun reading it. I, I, I laughed, you know, more than once. And I, I liked the action of it. And I like Superman doing classic Superman things like stopping laser beams with his hands. and, it was it was it was great. It, it's if you if you like Superman, you're gonna like that story.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there obviously this could have never been done. On the TV show because of the budget. I mean, that show barely <laughs> right. had budget for you know guys in top guys in the fedoras. You know, I mean, they had no money for anything on that show. And they, I mean, again, I don't mean to knock that show. It's a classic. I loved it. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, but I ate it up as a as a kid. But they were definitely doing things on a on a shoestring. But uh, and this was long after uh, the Fleischer cartoons had come and gone. But could you imagine this as a Fleischer cartoon? What oh. The, like, oh, it would have been so beautiful. And oh, get Orson yeah. Welles to do his voice like oh, that would have, it would have been amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. And, that, oh. and like I said, when I, just reading the dialogue, I I hear Orson Welles' voice, you know, delivering that dialogue. It's just oh, totally. Yeah.
0: Totally, it's great. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah it, it really is it a lot is. of fun. Yeah. What, just did you play. think? What, what did you think of of the depiction of Orson Welles? To me, it didn't really look like Orson Welles. But I mean,
0: I, I know that. Yeah, it doesn't cool really. It, it, I mean, part of it is that every page is like seven, eight panels, and every <laughs> right. panel has about four sentences per. You know, this is a very dialogue heavy story, so most of the Orson Welles is just tiny little heads, uh, <laughs> and you just see the, the mustache. So yeah, it really doesn't. You, 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 your eyes kind of glaze over me. Yeah, that's where Wells. Like, It doesn't really look like him. There really aren't too many close ups of him in any real, uh, mm-hmm. you know, any of the panel. I think there's only really, let me think, as I'm looking through it, there's really only one, one or two panels in the whole story where you're really close up on his face. Like when he's making the, trans, the transmission to mm-hmm. Earth, that's big. Uh, and then the one where he's entering the rocket ship you see his face, but yeah, it doesn't really look like him. You could, you, you probably could have said that's, you know, Errol Flynn or, you know, (laughs) any other kind of actor at that time. But, but, uh, but yeah, Um, I'm also noticed it's interesting. The cover and the splash page are the same image, uh, slightly edited. And I don't know whether that was just to save time or whatever. Like they were, they drew the, splash page and they were like oh shoot we don't have a cover or or the or vice versa but and that wasn't super typical sometimes they you know would would change it up but uh but yeah it's it's just a it's really fun um again black have you ever seen black magic the movie by the way no i haven't it's i haven't seen that yeah it's fun it's not it's no Masterpiece or anything like that, but it's fun. Orson Welles is having a blast, hamming it up as as usual as Calagostro Like he's really I mean, kind of walking around chewing the scenery, and he's and he's got makeup on, which he loves to do. So it's a f- and you can find it on uh, YouTube. Everybody like it's I think it's I think it's uh, public domain at this point, so you can find the whole thing on YouTube. But it's it's pretty to look at. It's shot well. It's you know I think the stuff without Orson Welles I'm kind of I kind of gray out on a little, but it's not bad.
1: Mm-hmm. well it's kind of like you said you know what what other movies were they going to pull out from at that yeah. you know, at that point you know i've i've seen the lady from shanghai which is from 47 right you know so are you gonna have, are, you, are you gonna have orson Imagine. Will running around doing a bad irish accent
0: or that that's... would have been amazing superman and rita hayworth teaming up oh my god superman in the mirror scene that would have been so good cool. now i want to see all the adventures of orson Welles comic book why didn't they why didn't they just, you could do it he could have really? used the money to fund his other movies. He needed money to film <laughs> Othello and stuff. And Mr. Arkadon, he could have, right. ah, they missed, a, missed an opportunity. So. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, yeah, that, so that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's Superman number 62. That is Black uh, Magic on Mars, again, starring Orson Welles Is our sort of special tribute to Orson Welles for what would have been, again, his 107th birthday. So, uh Max, thank you so much for for coming on and and talking with us about me. I, this was such a weird notion that I had a while back <laughs> and then I was like, oh, when's our I forgot where Simon's birthday is, May 6th. Perfect. So, let's talk about it now. So, so thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, no, thank you. I mean, it the I I will recover from the <laughs> mental damage that has been done, but you know, I no, this 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 was a blast. It was a lot of fun, like I said. It was a great story to read and you know, it, And I already have a great appreciation for Orson Welles as a, as a director and as an actor. Uh, but now I can appreciate him as a comic book character. So that's awesome. Go.
0: Yeah, you should have gotten a who's who listing. It would have been great. <laughs> it would have been so cool. First appearance, Superman number 62, powers and weapons. He can, he can stretch a budget like nobody's business. It uh, would have been amazing. So, well, why don't you tell people where they can find you here on the network? Uh,
1: they can find me primarily doing the uh, Death Defying Human Flycast. Uh, which is coming out monthly. And, uh, I have a couple of other podcasts that are sleeping but not dead. And those will come back eventually. I keep saying that, but it, it's true. It's like uh, this one.
0: It's sleeping but it's not dead. It comes back. Yeah. As well. yeah.
1: Yeah. See, there you go. And you can find me all over social media as, uh, uh, with uh, Maxo Romero. So, you know, if you want me to yell at you, that's where you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow what a, what an invite uh I yell yeah, at people i don't yell
1: i don't yell at people i really
0: well don't. he doesn't yell at anybody he doesn't even use all caps though no, don't worry about it. max is very nice <laughs> on social media uh well again thanks everybody for listening i i hope you enjoyed this sort of special one-off uh episode of citizen kane minute like i said there's so much other stuff out there about arson wells that i would love to talk about at some point so maybe we'll do more special episodes of citizen kane minute uh as the uh, as the subject warrants, Uh there's, again, there's more Citizen Kane stuff. There's more Orson Welles stuff, and I love. I'm just such a big fan of Orson that I love talking about the weird little corners of his career. And boy, this is one of the weirdest corners uh, of his career. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Of course, you can find the show over on Twitter at C Minute. All the back episodes of the show are on our website, Findwaterpodcast.com. And as a reminder, I said this will be a gallery post, uh, so you just. Check that out, and you can see some of the great, uh, beautiful pages from this story there. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And, of course, if you, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. So uh, that is going to do it. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm not sure when Citizen Kane Minute will be back, but we'll be back at some other point. You know, the show, as, as Max said, sleeping, not dead. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later what are you getting at joseph balsamo (laughs)
1: joseph balsamo no that was good enough for a gypsy carnival faker but not for one who will be known as the world's greatest wonder worker a healer possessed of supernatural
0: powers divine godlike